Hi, this is Megan Eisenhard, Senior Vice President at Learfield, and this is One-on-One with ADC Partners. Hi, this is Dave Almy of ADC Partners. This episode's guest is Megan Eisenhardt, Senior Vice President at Learfield, the largest media and technology company serving college sports. Now, it'll probably be quickly evident that Megan and I have known each other for a long time. We first met when she was working for the Cal Athletic Department. Now, back then, her office was at the bottom of a stairwell in the university's football stadium. Seriously, uh, the glamour of working in sports. But that stairwell is a pretty good metaphor for Megan's unstoppable rise through college sports and beyond. In our conversation, we'll talk about her first steps up that professional stairwell, where they've led, and how she got there. We'll also talk about college sports, what it takes to build great partnerships, and her exciting role with Team Impact, a fantastic organization that pairs kids facing significant medical challenges with college sports teams. But first, about that stairwell. I want to kind of set the stage here a little bit. Sure. Because you and I, we go back. We have history. You know, people, I think, have this idea that working in sports is this really kind of glamorous thing. You know, they see, you know, sitting on the sidelines and, you know, being at the big events and, you know, the World Series rings and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I first met you, I mean, you work you work at Partnership Activation at Cal. Can you talk a little bit about that work what that first office was like, because I think it's kind of decent overview of what it's like to get started in sports. Yeah, absolutely. So I was in uh, their marketing department. We had just established a corporate partnership department internally. Um, and so it was myself and my boss, Solly Fulp, who some of you may know. The infamous and- Solly Fulp. The infamous Solly Fulp, and we uh, needed space. I mean, pretty classic with um, you hire someone and you create this whole thing and then you realize you don't have space for them. (laughs) So we walked around campus and we saw that the bottom of a stairwell um was wide open there was nothing in it. I mean, generally, as bottoms of stairwells are generally wide open. It's usually just for ingress and egress, not necessarily for an office. Um, I don't know if the the fire marshal knew that we were down there, but we decided to make an office down there. We found two desks and two chairs and we bought a huge whiteboard and somehow figured out a way to to put phone lines in there. This is back when people had like desk phones. And that that was our office. Say that again slower so everybody can kind of understand the desk, (laughs) desk phone. Desk phone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Desk phone, yes. (laughs) So you were literally not not figuratively you were literally working in a stairwell at the university bottom. of california berkeley at the bottom, the bottom of the stairwell <laughs> you, had, to be clear. you hadn't even ascended, yes. ascended to the top of the stairwell yet that would come much later after great successes yes so you talk about like symbolism and uh it was not glamorous um a lot of people were getting lost you know just walking through memorial stadium and we were the ones that they saw they would there was a door at the bottom of the stairwell a glass door so we would get people knocking on it all the time and then also at the the top of the stairwell it's open it's wide open and so people would walk in and they'd kind of look around and they'd look down and they'd yell down at us like hey where are the football offices meanwhile we're trying to you know close hundred thousand dollar deals and people are asking us where the football office and the bathroom is so are you saying um, that's not conducive 
<laughs> there were times we had to walk outside. We also had cell phones, so it was okay. when we had desk and Ooh. cell phone. But we would have to walk outside and walk around the parking lot on our cell phones if we needed privacy because everyone could hear us whenever we spoke because the stairwell was wide open. So uh, your 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 former boss Solly Fulp is not known for his shy and retiring demeanor. So I'm assuming that when he had a phone call in the stairwell, it would uh, it would kind of resonate throughout memorial stadium in those back in those days for sure and and then we hired another person oh, so there were three of us oh, in the God. stairwell jeff huffman so he's another person that's been in this industry for a long time so it was solly jeff and i in the bottom of a stairwell it was it, it was ridiculous honest to gosh it sounds like the beginning of a joke like so solly jeff and i are in the bottom of a stairwell and then kind of <laughs> take it from there i mean it's like but it, you're right i mean the symbolism of it is is perfect particularly as uh, as a metaphor how you get started in sports right you're gonna you're literally gonna be working at the bottom of a stairwell and you know there's there's obviously further symbolism that goes along here too because that's where you sort of began the climb i mean you started working your way up that stairwell and you have been in college sports pretty much your entire i think if not pretty much mm -hmm. your entire your entire career i mean what why do you keep coming back? What makes this so compelling to you? Why do you love it so much? So I kind of fell into it when I did not have a traditional college experience. I went to a junior college to play volleyball. I went to a very small D3 school to play volleyball my junior year and then realized, um, what am I doing? It was in Iowa. Um, love Iowa. had a great experience there, but that was not going to be my end destination. And so I went back to California my senior year and stopped playing volleyball but loved sports so i just happened to get an internship at sacramento state in in their college athletic department and just kind of never left i feel very fortunate that i've always had doors open to me and they've all been in the college space um but if you think about college versus pros i, I just find it so much more meaningful because it's more than just playing for money well who knows if that'll be the case moving forward, but at least in my last 20 years, it's been more than just playing for money. There's a lot of opportunities uh, for men and women in the college space. There's a lot more you can do to benefit the greater campus community. Um, so it, it's just more interesting and fun and dynamic and it can be innovative and challenging, but um, it's it's what I know, and so I've just stayed with it. I think it's fascinating too. Like college used to be the place where you kind of had, like, if you were going to work in sports, college was kind of this, like, twenty years ago, almost like I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but it was like almost like a sleepy backwater, right? You know, it was like, oh, you have the six football games and you got the seventeen basketball games, and it's kind of kind of easy. I, I, you know, I defy anyone to find a part of the sports industry that has undergone more turmoil and innovation and change in those 20 years than than college sports what's what are some of the things that have really stood out to you as, as you think about your experience in college sports like what do you go like wow this is so different than it used to be uh well the biggest changes have happened in the last year yeah. right i, I yeah. think it's the, the nil legislation um the opening of more categories like sports wagering is becoming such an interesting topic and i know it's still evolving in, in the pro space as well but um it's it's crazy how also the the non 
legislation might not be the right word, but but how the NCA just kind of steps back and says, oh, you guys figure it out. <laughs> We're done trying to figure this out. Let's go. Yeah, to but it's so hard. I mean, there's there's hundreds and thousands of teams and all different levels. It's so different from, again, the pro sports leagues where you have like 28 or 32 uh, teams. So right. it's a little bit easier to manage in college. It's, it's all it's all over the place. And so um, but again, that's what that's what makes it fun there's always something different and new and exciting um and, and challenging to work on yeah and you know like we talk about college sports and change and transitions and, and innovation going on and sort of the the macro area but the place where you've been working in the last 20 some odd years this idea of college sports marketing and, and partnerships and the way companies work with colleges and the companies who work with them I mean, you've changed like nine times. I'm not even being that facetious, right? You've gone from working directly at the school to working with multimedia rights outsources like ISP, and then it was acquired by IMG College, and then that's merged with Learfield. I mean, talk a little bit about that ride. Is it just kind of like hold on for dear life? Is it sort of a linear thing where, okay, each you know, company has brings its own skills to the table. What are some of the things you've learned about all these different transitions? Yeah. So when I started, like you said, it was internal. And then I went to ISP sports. Uh, they had won the rights at Cal. Okay. Yeah. And that was interesting because I had never sold before. And so learning or taking the risk and the jump to go from partnership management and activation to sales was a little bit scary, but <laughs> it, it worked out. So I was with ISP for three years and then uh, my husband and I decided to move to Colorado. And so we, so I took a little break, you know, like six months and then ended Ooh, up boy, back. big, long break, yeah, six, big months, break. Six, whole, six whole months. <laughs> but then um, as I was looking for jobs in Colorado, the, the one that opened up was a position at at Learfield at CU. And so as I was figuring out if that's what I wanted to continue to do, the, the cultures of Learfield and ISP sports were very similar. So it was a very easy transition. Um, and then I worked for Learfield for a while and then we merged with IMG College and then now we're Learfield as, as you said. But the funniest thing is when we merged with Learfield IMG College is I, saw people that I knew from my ISP days because they had stayed with ISP through the IMG merger. And the relationships that I was able to build at the very beginning um, stayed. And, and it gave me so much more familiarity and honestly respect and credibility when, I, when we merged. And I was like, oh yeah, I worked for ISP 15 years ago. I remember when you were at this school and I was at this school. And they're like, oh yeah, Megan's legit. And I, I think that relationship piece is really, really important. And it's allowed me to um, move around. Um, in addition to like the companies, the positions that I've had, I've been a seller, I've been a general manager, I've been a vice president, I, I led our recruiting and talent acquisition team, which was an interesting blip in this career of mine, um, and then moved over to Campus Plus. And so th the other thing that I realized is with all those different mergers and name changes, um, I was always open to new opportunities. And I think that's really important when there's a lot of change going on. You can't just be stuck in one role or one way of doing things. You really have to be open to 
trying new things and I have and I think that's allowed me to grow within this company and 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 be the leader that I am because I've had so much different experience. Boy, I, you bring up two, I mean, those are such two amazing uh, reference points as you talk about these kinds of things. One, the, the, the value of relationships, you know, because we talk about, you know, all the innovation that's going on and the product changes and everything like that. Like none of that stuff really takes root unless the people who are you know, on the ground, making those kinds of relationships happen. The relationships are what make those things happen. Your ability to engage with people that you've developed. So like making sure that not only you're creating those relationships, but that you're cultivating them and keeping them, you know, fed and watered and, you know, really engaging with this people business. Right. And so, you know, people really want to you know do business with the people they want to do business with. And the other one is actually reminds me of something that my Mrs. Fire Andy Dolan says all the time, which is there's nothing wrong with professional hopscotch, right? You may not get the role immediately that you are looking to do, but if you're open to going sideways, maybe even a little backwards, it can put you in a position where you can excel and because you never know where the next opportunity is going to come from. Yeah, it's the jungle gym analogy, right? Like I think everyone used to look at it as a ladder, but it's really a, a, a jungle gym and you kind of move up and around and and you build this community of people outside of just the bubble of the one thing you know. And if you're if you work for a large organization, it's so helpful to just put yourself in other people's shoes. And you do that by like being and working with new people and new departments and and whether that's staying in your department and reaching out or actually like going and taking a leap and working in talent acquisition, even though you know nothing about HR and recruiting, but um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of, again, I love the jungle gym analogy, totally going to steal that. So thank you very much. But I mean, that also kind of puts you into the position to one of the things I know is a pretty significant role in what you're doing right now, right? You are managing Learfield's campus plus division, right? It's, it's not athletics per se. Right. I mean, so you, you talk about having all this experience and then the company comes to you and says, hey, we've got this entire thing about partnerships not on campus <laughs> or not in athletics. So, uh, you know, and you and I recently had this opportunity to work together on this Cal State Northridge and Premier America opportunity. Can you can you first of all, can you do a quick review of, of what that partnership is all about? And then talk about like why those kinds of partnerships make so much sense and, and why it's interesting to you to manage those pieces. Sure. So as you said, Campus Plus, our division really helps bridge the gap between athletics and campus for our brand partners. A lot of times companies want to work across campus, but they, they don't know how, they don't know who to talk to, they don't know what that means. Um, and at the same time, universities also want the revenue and resources from brand partners, but they don't know how to ask. They don't know how to package partnership assets together. They don't know how to activate the right way so that brands can be successful when they come on campus. Um, and Learfield's experience in doing this on the athletic side really lends itself to be that bridge. And so the Campus Plus Division, that's exactly what we do. We figure out which schools are open to doing corporate partnerships. We talk to brands that want to do more than just athletics. Um, and, and it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. So sometimes it's just 
maybe working um, with the rec sports division on campus um, because it's just a little bit easier for a brand to work in one area of campus versus the entire campus. But sometimes it could be an entire campus-wide deal like the one you mentioned with CSU Northridge and Premier America Credit Union. So with that, how that kind of started is we've been seeing success in credit unions partnering with universities, both with athletics and campus. And mm -hmm. we could talk about that a little bit later of, of what that means. And so because of that trend, um, and because of our relationship with CSUN, we said, hey, we think there's an opportunity to build a partnership between a credit union and your campus. And we, we've done it before, we've shown success, let us do this and, and help you figure out how to do it. And so it was, it was, it was a long process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that's called being uh, very uh, kind. Yes, uh, and part of it was because of COVID. We started these conversations, and right. then COVID hit, and and so um, it, it was there long to begin with, but then to throw COVID in it, it made it even longer. Um, but but we worked on behalf of the school. We talked to multiple credit unions and said, "Hey, there's this opportunity for you to be um, an official credit union partner of this forty thousand student campus in the heart of Southern California. Like you get to reach." students, faculty, and staff in a way that is different from your competitors. And, and you can really build relationships with these constituents in a meaningful way. Um, you would be dumb not to do it. <laughs> but uh, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Uh, As someone who's involved in sales, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking the don't be a dummy aspect of the sales pitch may you want exactly. to scale that one exactly exactly and and so we talked to to these credit unions and the, yes they were all interested but it was okay what's going to be the right fit number one from a mission values and purpose perspective we find that's very very important for both the university and the brand to have an alignment in those things because it's going to be a long-term partnership and, and it has to fit so number one it's finding that right match number two it's finding the credit union that that wants to give the right resources to the school and yes some of that is dollars for sure but it's also um, internships and scholarships and financial literacy programs and other things that they can bring to these students faculty and staff to to add value um, for from the university's perspective so um, just kind of managed that process, worked with the university, worked with the credit unions, again, found the one that was the right fit and put a deal together with your help, of course, and, and a lot of uh, other uh, people. Uh, I mean, this, is, <laughs> this is not something that one person can do alone. No. I mean, this is, this is a group project for sure. And so I think that goes into the idea of, and these, these take time. I mean, not only do you have to bring, I mean, there's the idea that you're all clearly, you're, you're, you're talking to a, you know, a credit union who may or may not have any experience in doing relationships of this kind. The other thing is there's not a lot of campuses out there that, I mean, yeah, okay, most campuses have a lot of you know, history and background doing that on the athletic side, but to your point, the campuses themselves, they require a lot of what am I getting into here? And, you know, what are the responsibilities? And yeah, okay, that revenue stream looks kind of interesting, but they often don't understand like the full scale of what's being engaged in. Like we, and you and I went through a pretty significant education process with all the different, all the different parties. So yeah, that slows it down. But in the end, it's really valuable, right? Because these are complex deals. And it's important to know 
what goes into supporting it. So, I mean, talk a little bit about the, the back end of these relationships and what how meaningful that is for campuses and where do you think these are headed in the future? So from a university perspective, the resources are very important, but the dollars are important. Mm -hmm. the, other, the other things that they can bring to students, faculty and staff are very important. And then for the brand, I mean, so one thing we've talked about in, in the credit union industry is a, a lot of times credit unions start and they have an acronym. Um, so it's, it's, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so credit union CU. So it's like AMCU, UWCU. And, and so number one, from a branding perspective, a lot of times these credit unions, like people don't even know what the acronyms mean. Number two is that, <laughs> yeah. And number two, a lot of people don't even know about credit unions as an industry. Yeah. And, and I've gotten to know them quite well over the past few years, but it's amazing that, that just people in general don't know the difference between a credit union and a bank. They don't understand that a credit union can give them almost anything that a bank can. And so for the credit union, this provides such a great opportunity to tell their story um, and to tell their story to, to a new set of students every single year. So if they wanna grow their membership, like this is a no brainer. You're getting access to students every year of the year of the partnership. So. I, I already forgot your question. I, I get on a rant. No, I, I mean, I know you're ranting because I mean, it's like, look at this is this is interesting stuff. And I mean, we're, you know, I think you and I both are fascinated by how these very different types of work. I mean, we're talking about financial services or is it in a higher ed organization? But the thing that really interests me and why I think you and I have both found this particular and I hate the word space, but this particular space interesting is that, you know, for two such divergent types of organizations, their missions can be so intricately aligned, right? You talk about them, I mean, because every credit union is supporting their members, every school is supporting their students, and they want to impact their communities. And they have like guidelines inside their charters that make sure they do those kinds of things. So while they're so different, they are so aligned. And I guess that's one of the reasons why you're so enthusiastic about this particular category. Yeah, you, you can't see me, but I'm nodding a lot when Dave's talking. <laughs> I, I because, can affirm yes. there's lots of nodding. Yes, yes. But I love it. And <laughs> and if you look at the past naming rights, so we haven't even talked about naming rights, which was a part of this. But if you look at the naming rights deals that have done, been done in the college space over the last few years, almost all of them have been credit unions. Now, there, there are definitely a few outliers, but there's something to be said when it, it makes sense for one, it could make sense for a lot more. I, you know, and uh, you're right. You know, and I want to talk about that, right? Because I think that naming rights have been part of pro sports for, well, it's kind of integral to who they are right now. If you're, if you're a pro team, pro sports team without a naming rights partner, there's kind of a, what's going on here? Certainly colleges and universities, it's different. They certainly exist. There's a lot of naming rights deals out there, but they're by far not nearly as developed as they are on, on the pro level. Um, why is that? And, you know, is there, I know that Learfield and Elevator are working together on, on this particular challenge. You know, is there like a secret sauce that you need to do to make this work? Like, how is that all going to unfold? So naming rights in the pro space, as you said, it, it's it's a given, right? Like it, they professional sports generate a lot of revenue from corporate dollars. If you look at university and colleges, corporate dollars do make a portion of revenue, but there's a lot of it that's made through individual donors. 
the whole development fundraising side mm. of college sports does not exist in pros. And so there's I, the reason I say that is a lot of these venues have a donor name on them because a donor gave right. money, not a corporate partner. And so sometimes it's just not not an option because right. of, of the donor contribution, which is fantastic. So, so that's step one is where is there even an opportunity where there's not a donor name already associated with the venue? Number two, um, higher education is very political. And there's a lot Come of stakeholders. <laughs> Imagine that. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and there's a lot of stakeholders in, in these institutions of higher education. Not only do you have the athletic director, you mm. have the university president, you have a system. If they're part of a system, you have the board of trustees, um, you have donors, you have faculty and staff. There, there's so many people that have a say in what happens. And, and nobody can see campus. me either, but my, my eyes glazed over a little bit right <laughs> <laughs> um, Whereas in the pros, it's, it's, it's the owner. It's, yeah, I the mean, one with the one crazy owner. <laughs> Maybe crazy, yes. So that's so so that inherently is a challenge in itself. Is like, okay, is this brand the right fit? Um, you know, has this brand done anything in the last thirty years that might make the students upset? Um, is does does this brand conflict with um, someone on the board? Like, there's so many different obstacles when it comes to finding the right brand for um a, a college venue so i think that's another reason is it's it's just it's just difficult you gotta weave yeah you gotta <laughs> exactly. you gotta thread a needle yeah yeah and and the third thing is um when you, when professional naming rights deals are evaluated a lot of evaluated evaluated um they they have uh impressions based on television and on overall viewership is very, very important when it comes to the value of pro sports. And college just doesn't have the TV numbers that um, the NFL or or other venues or other professional in, sports In most do. cases, for sure. Yeah. 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 And so I think that that's another thing too. And and we don't, we don't own, okay. Another thing I keep thinking of more reasons is that- <laughs> You might want to stop. <laughs> I know, right? The, <laughs> uh let's see you can cut this out if you want but essentially it's it's um the the tv rights in general whereas in the nfl they own the tv rights and they can very they manage the tv in a way that college doesn't because all the conferences have their own rights um there's so many games there there's so many different factors that fall into the impressions um, oh yeah it just makes it harder so how then like talk a little bit about the elevate piece that you're working with. And so are you working closely with them? And is this something that you're like, are we trying to, how do we knock down these hurdles? Or is it how do we best work within the hurdles that exist? Yeah, so Elevate Sports Ventures, we announced that partnership last year. Uh, they are, if you look collectively at the people on their team, they have done more naming rights deals than anyone. So they are the experts when it comes to naming rights. Now, most of them have been in pros, but their expertise and their knowledge of this space is amazing. And so that's part of the reason why we partnered with them is that with all of our schools, we have a general manager and they're in charge of generating revenue through multimedia sponsorships every day. And, and this is Learfield. A, this is Learfield. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So there's two different 
sales. There's the going out and finding your corporate partners and our GMs have anywhere from 50 to 150 partners that they have to find and activate and manage. Mm -hmm. And a naming rights partnership is very different than just your average corporate partnership. And so being able to tell our GMs, you have someone that you can now rely on to go help you find a naming rights partner for your school. Um, and we think that there's no one that can be better at doing that than the Learfield and Elevate team combined. Yeah, they really bring a complementary set of skill sets together, don't Correct. they? Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. Now, I want to shift gears a minute here, right? And I want to talk about two organizations that you're connected with, one through work and, and one that I just know that you've been uh, with in a long time. And I'm going to start with the latter first, because I think women in sports and entertainment has been uh, a focus of yours for a long time. And you talk, I mean, at the very beginning of this conversation, we've literally talked about being at the bottom of a stairwell and, you know, the, the work that you've done to kind of continue to climb and doing, and I want to talk, I want you to talk a little bit about how the role that wise played in that and like how there is both a, you know, you, you benefit from it potentially at the start, but now it's, you're kind of at the part of your career where you're providing the benefit. Can you talk a little bit about the organization and, and how that support network has worked for you? Yeah, absolutely. So WISE is an acronym for Women in Sports and Events. Um, it is a organization that is chapter based. So I believe there are 25 chapters across wow. the country. Yeah. Um, and so while, while you can become a national member, the, the best benefit is when you're part of a chapter in the area that you live in. Um, but their mission is to really to, to have programs that support women in sports and empower them. And uh, that's something, as you said, I've always strived to do both with WISE, but also just in general. Yeah. Um, as you know, sports is a pretty male dominated industry. No and... idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> connecting with women in this yeah. industry is, has always been important to me. Um, when I when I became our general manager at Colorado, I was 29 years old. I think I was the youngest Power Five GM in our company, and I was maybe the only female Power Five GM in our company at the time. Wow. Um, and, and so I've always tried to find my sisterhood in this industry, um, whether it's in my company or outside of my company. Uh, and so when I was in Dallas, uh, I really wanted to meet more women outside of the company. And so I was part of the founding board to start a WISE organization in Dallas. Um, which was amazing because yeah. I was able to meet with people outside of Learfield as well as connect and, and, and again, be a leader within Learfield and, and hope to get our people sign up to be part of WISE as well. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I think clearly in the last five years, there's been a much brighter light focused. Not, I mean, not just on women's sports in general, but certainly women in the front office. And I'm wondering if you feel like there's like this is a uh the train is out of the station and it is like you know, now we're moving and this is finally getting to the place where it's going to be what work needs to continue to happen to make sure that train keeps rolling yeah we still have a, a long a long way to go but yeah. it is so inspiring to see more women in leadership positions especially in men's sports i i think 
we obviously should have a place in women's sports because we're women and we should have a, a big say in, in how we run women's sports. But even in men's sports too, there's just the value of having a diverse leadership team, not only in the, the way that you look, but the way that you think and the experiences that you bring to the table, it, it's important. And um, there, there still needs to be a lot more um, diversity in general. Um, but I do think women bring a, a, a different outlook on things, especially, um, you know, I have two kids and I think when you're trying to balance life, and again, th this is the same for, for men with kids as well, but being, being a mom and trying to, to figure it all out and figure out what your priorities are, it, it, having, again, just having that voice and having that way of thinking that, how am I going to be efficient? How am I going to do things that are right for myself, but also for like the future generation? I don't, I don't know. I, I think about that a lot more now that I Yeah, well, you definitely good. get really good at time management. I'll say that much. My, <laughs> my goodness. But I don't think I answered your question. Um, I still think there needs to be just more diversity in leadership. I do think there's more women getting into sales. I do think there's more women in the pipeline. I do think it's the flexibility for all the negative things with COVID. I think opening employers' eyes to the fact that you can have a remote, mm. a remote and flexible workforce. I think that's going to be very helpful for people who who just want to want to have a life outside of work. <laughs> who are who are so when you who are your guide stars on, on in this particular? Who are the women that you look to in sports? If you're like, she's doing an amazing job. Uh, she is a um, you know. She, she's she's the path that I want to follow or, you know, she's providing the, the, the framework from which we can improve. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. And I wish I had more. <laughs> Something more for you to cogitate answer. on for the next time. we do this. Um, So internally within our our company, mm. uh, Kim Dameron, she is the CEO of Pacuolin mm -hmm. and just the way that she leads her team is so inspiring to watch she's authentically herself she cares about her team she just brings this like energy and, mm. and passion and zest for life that people see and they follow and i love that and again men can do that as well but to see it in the representation matters and so to see a, a woman leading her authentic way and having a very successful organization that's inspiring so i i love seeing kim whenever i i see her on our internal yeah you know men can do it too they often get dave almy and his zest for life <laughs> very zesty Furry, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe, what i think of when i hear dave almy not zesty. in the best ways <laughs> Okay, one other organization I want to make sure before before I let you go um, that you have an opportunity to talk about because this is this is another part of I mean you're not just in charge of Campus Plus I mean you're overseeing Team Impact um, can you pl please talk about Team Impact how the what's the relationship between Learfield and Team Impact because and and, and it's the coolest organization and I, it's such a great thing and I want to make sure you had a moment to to share that yeah thank you so. We were looking for an organization that we could partner with, um, like a nonprofit organization, and it needed to be someone that, again, shared our mission and values as a company uh, that did the same, 
worked in the same space as us, so college athletics, um, and also one that was national um, because we are national. Uh, and so in doing some due diligence, Cole Gahagan, our CEO, met with um, the with Team Impact and was very impressed with, with who they are and what they do. So that's how the relationship started. And, and Team Impact, for those of you that don't know, their whole goal is to, to provide opportunities for children who are sick or have have some challenges in life to be part of a an college athletic team. Um, if you have a child that is constantly going to medical, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Medical like appointments and appointments. Yeah, appointments. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, sure. yes. So uh, you think I've I been talking your ear off? I, uh, you're yeah. running out of words. I get it. Yes. So uh, medical appointments and, and and chemotherapy and just just the challenges of, of exhausting. Being sick and being different. It's exhausting. And so when they are paired with the team and they're part of a team and they get to go to practice and they get to go to games and they get to build relationships with players and coaches, it's the light of, of their life at that time. And, and these so teams these, fall in love with these They kids. do, they do. So not only do the kids and, and the families um, benefit from this, the student athletes do because they're learning about um, people who are different than them, who have different challenges. And, and it's really opening their eyes to um, just a different set of circumstances that they have maybe have never dealt with before. So Team Impact pairs these kids with these sports teams for two years. So a kid's on a team for two years and really becomes part of that team. So it's it's very special. Um, we have of our multimedia rights properties, there's 76 schools that have a kiddo on a sports team. And we're trying to grow that number. We're wow. trying to have all of our MMR schools have at least one team impact match. Um, we're also just trying to to raise awareness for them so that more families actually sign up so that kids can take advantage of this amazing program. Um, and then we're just trying to also use it as a cause marketing platform. So we want to bring in brands to this mix as well. And so they can help this program flourish too. It's got to be a like just shining light part of your day to be engaged in a program that's doing such remarkable work that has, I mean, the ripples associated with that. I mean, you brought it up, right? It's not just the families and the kids who get to be part of these teams, but these athletes who are really witnessing actual struggle day in and day out. It changes how they look at their own experience on a regular basis as well. Oh, for sure. This is one of my favorite parts of the job. And, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Diley Carpenter, who really is the one who makes this program work from Learfield's perspective. She's amazing. Um, I just kind of help her out where, where needed. But I mean, every time I see a Team Impact video, I start crying. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm starting uh, welling up a little bit. It's like, oh, I know it's amazing, but but that's uh, I don't know, that's the beauty of what we can do. I, I think we forget that in sports, we have the power to make a lot of change and to provide some amazing memories for people. Um, I, I work in sports. The, the luster of working in sports is kind of gone for me right now, but it, it's awesome for my family. It's awesome for my dad like one of my best memories is bringing my dad to a cal game and we still talk about it because i work in sports and he gets to do that and he loves that his daughter works in sports and so it's what you can do for other people um really inspires me every day and and the whole cause marketing platform and and we can help them 
you know, raise awareness and generate revenue. And I just, I love that part of sports that you had Jess Smith on um, the podcast and the, what um, Angel City Football Club is doing with their So sports. awesome. I love that. So and awesome. I wish that more organizations would take that approach because, because you can and because it's awesome and it's affecting so many people. So I just, I like, I love this part of my job. I don't know if I, you know, you got credit unions and team impact. That's what I love. Yeah. Well, and I mean, clearly it's team impacts one of your favorite part of your jobs, but I mean, you know, working with me on credit union and, and Cal state university deals, that's gotta be up there too. Right. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Mm, yeah. yeah um, let's talk about the CSU system. <laughs> uh, since you brought it up, I'm just going to make a quick reference to it. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the Jess Smith podcast, just make sure to go back to the podcast page on the ADC partners website. And you'll find that one there. And Angel City FC, yeah, they're doing uh, amazing stuff. And it's a great, it's another great listen. Just like this has been uh, a great listen. And it's, you know, Megan, look, it, you and I, we go way back. I um, look back on the kinds of things that I've done in the past and what makes them all worthwhile and valuable is just working with people like you. And so taking the time to have this conversation, it's kind of a formal way which we usually interact, which is on like, usually on kind of text messages, rolling our eyes and stuff and things like that. <laughs> but uh, just really a great opportunity to sit down and have a, a formal chat. And so really appreciate the time. Oh, of course. And, and thank you for all that you do. You, you definitely make me laugh. You definitely help when it comes to English and grammatical things. Um, <laughs> Word nerd. Parts. Yeah. <laughs> Wordle. Have you played Wordle and have you played Quirtle? Um, I have played Wordle. Um, I, I can honestly, I, somebody turned me on a Quirtle the other day and I, I couldn't figure it out. So I got to go back and, and try to undo that one. I have to admit, I'm addicted to the spelling bee in the New York times. Which oh. is just, it's like my morning crack. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quirtle's my end of the night. Like, okay, I've done with the day. The kids are asleep. Um, and I do Quirtle. So there you have it, everybody. You've got Learfield, you've got team impact, you've got campus plus, you've got credit unions, you've got wise. And now you got Quirtle. <laughs> Megan Eisenhart of Learfield. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this ADC Partners podcast. For more information about ADC Partners, please visit our website at adcpartners.com.